Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Faith to Influence podcast. I am David Gonzalez, your host, and today we have another special episode featuring a former client who has gone rogue and joined the Faith to Influence team. No surprise there, we attract fantastic people. Today our episode is brought to you by Daniel Rivera, another F2I team member, and he started a virtual community project called Community of Wisdom Seekers, and you can find him on YouTube under that title. In this episode, titled Addiction to Conviction, A Journey to Jesus, Brandon Todd shares his intricate story of how God has redeemed him from his addiction. It's a fascinating story and worth sharing here with you guys. Also, if you're interested, I mean, why wouldn't you be interested? You should be interested in some of our favorite content here at Faith to Influence, Stick around to the end of this episode, and we have a special gift for you guys. Otherwise, enjoy this episode. And tonight, I'm talking to you about my story, and it's been a it's been a long journey. I, I titled it "Addiction to Conviction: A Man's Journey or a Journey to Jesus." I shouldn't call myself a man yet; I'm still working on that. And what I what I mean by addiction to conviction is not addiction to sell, like judge conviction, but addiction to conviction for the Lord. And I, I want to make sure that um, I, I don't spend this time uh, romanticizing and telling you all about the addiction part, although it is important to understand the addiction part, to understand what God has done in my life. But it, this isn't about my addiction. This is about what God has done to me and for me and what he can do for, for this, um, this world and certainly this, this um well, this world, but also the people, definitely the people who are on this call right now and, and who are listening to the rebroadcast. I want to paint a picture for you real quick before I get into my story. October 20th of 2019, just last year, October 20th, I'm sitting on the floor. Actually, I'm sitting, ooh, man. <clears throat> I'm sitting on the floor just a couple of feet from where I'm sitting right now in a very depressed state. I had just... Uh, um, my my addiction is gambling. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now. One of my addictions, certainly gambling, porn, womanizing, sexual sins. But addiction is really the addiction that we're going to talk about tonight. Or excuse me, gambling is that addiction. And I was sitting on the floor just a few feet from where I'm at right now with my shotgun in my mouth. And that was October 20th of last year, actually my dad's birthday, which would have been a, just an awful birthday present to him. And that was actually my second suicide attempt. And so I want to paint that picture right now and let you have that in your mind. And I'll tell you what happened for me to get to that point. And then the miraculous thing that God has done in my life since. So my story starts, I'll start with childhood. My childhood is an interesting childhood. I was raised by my grandmother. God bless my grandmother for being there for us. Daniel's mom. Um, my parents were and are great people, but they just weren't ready for kids at the time. My, my, my parents were both uh, addicts, uh, alcoholics, drugs, and gambling. And they just weren't able to raise kids. And uh, they, you know, they were still trying to figure out their own lives. And so thank God for my grandma being around. And so I was raised by my grandma as a child growing up. And my grandma, um, she had her own struggles as well. She certainly struggled with a gambling addiction as well. So you could look at my life and say, well, of course he became a gambler. His dad was a gambler. His mom was a gambler. His great grandma was a gambler. His mom was a gambler. So you could look at my life and say, of course, I became a gambler, but I look at my life and I don't understand how I became a gambler because I hated this addiction. I understood this addiction growing up. I understood what addiction was growing up. I was in the middle of it. I remember times in high school driving to the casino to drag my family member out of it because we haven't seen her for four days. And 
I remember growing up where my sister had to cook and clean for three or four days in a row because grandma didn't come home from the casino for three or four days. So I grew up immersed in this, in this addiction environment and understanding the, the, the ramifications of addiction. And I used to, in football practice in high school, I used to imagine the popsicle when we're, when we're hitting the pads as a pulley from a slot machine. I used to, that, that, that's what would fire me up is imagining a slot machine pulley and I'd get all fired up. I hated gambling addiction. But looking back on my life, I can actually see how a lot of things happened that would lead me to this addiction growing up. For instance, we went to Vegas a lot for bowling tournaments. And I remember spending a lot of time in Circus Circus as a child. No parents, just me and Daniel and whoever running around having fun while our parents gambled. I remember having buckets of quarters given to us as kids. So we go play in the arcade for hours at the casino while our parents gambled. I associated from a kid gambling casinos with fun and entertainment, even though as a young teen and into, um, you know, my, my later high school years, hating this addiction, I can look back and see that we played a lot of addiction or a lot of uh, gambling games in high school, growing up baseball trips, playing a game called high low, where we're betting quarters, um, poker games with friends at the house. And it wasn't ever an addiction at the time, but I can, I can see what was leading me there. And so I'll fast forward to college. I'm 18 years old. I go to college in Wichita, Kansas. I have got a baseball scholarship to go play baseball with my uncle at a college. And in Kansas, it's 21 and older to gamble. But in Oklahoma, it was only 18. And I was only an hour away from Oklahoma. And one day, I remember vividly, one day I was sitting there at home. And I just had this idea, like, I want to go see what it's like. I want to go see what it's like to go to a casino. And I, this is before Google Maps. I actually MapQuest and printed out directions. You guys remember that? Printing out directions. I printed out directions from MapQuest. and I drove to a casino, not knowing what it was like. I had a few hundred dollars for my job saved up. And I took, I think I took like 120 bucks to the casino and I won $400 and I was hooked. And I was 18 years old. Over the course of the next 12 years, um, addiction controlled my life. Gambling controlled my life and the gambling addiction, the sin, my sin nature. I grew up in church, mind you. I grew up going to church every Sunday, every other Sunday. And I never believed in God. I, I faked it and I, I could talk a good talk and, and I could, uh, you know, I knew stories. I could kind of talk about that. I, I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't believe that Jesus was the son of God who died for my sins. I heard the stories, never believed it. And so I was walking in sin at, a, at 18 years old and not just walking, but seeking out, actively seeking out sin. And it didn't just, not just the, not just gambling, but that sin led to so many other deep, dark, disgusting things and, you know, disgusting sins. And ultimately, porn addictions happen and, and um, uh, womanizing addictions happen. And it's just so disgusting. But from 18 to about 30, I spent every single day of my life, literally every single day of my life, uh, in regret, in remorse, in depression, in, in my head, wondering what lie I could tell who to get money to go gamble or what lie I told this person. And I hope they don't talk to this person and, and how I could just somehow get money. And if you can think of a way to get money, I did it. And I burnt bridges. I stole from friends and family. I lied to friends and family. I, I don't want to go into too many of the stories because this isn't about the addictions, about what God has done in my heart, but it's on to totally understand the things I've done. I have to just give you some kind of insight to how gross my addiction was. I, I had spent some money that wasn't mine and, uh, and it was quite a bit of money and I was 
I was down to like my final $800 of $4,000 that wasn't mine that I was holding on to. And I was freaking out and I didn't know what to do. And the only way to get that money back was to go to the casino. And so I told my, I was coaching baseball at the time. And I told my baseball team that I, I had to work. I told work, I had baseball and I went to the casino and I that put $500 down on a blackjack table in a matter of an hour and a half. I had $10,000 in front of me. Mind you, I only needed four grand. I had $10,000 in chips in front of me. It was the highest of highs for a gambler. Pit boss came over and checked my ID four times. I got comped a room. I was living larger than life. I walked out of the casino, called a friend, told him all about it, told my roommate. It was, it was just, it, it was the gambling high. And I never even cashed in those chips. I spent every single dime of those, that $10,000 sitting right there at that blackjack table. And that drive home was the scariest, one of the scariest moments of my life. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, a, it's a sad day when you're driving and you're contemplating swerving into the oncoming traffic. And if it weren't for me injuring someone else, I don't know that I would have been able to stop myself from doing that. If it, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time uh, throughout my, my late teens and all of my 20s thinking suicidal thoughts. I attempted suicide. Um, when I was in my early twenties, I tried cutting my wrist with a Cutco knife of all knives, which are super sharp knives. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't accomplish the task. I, I, and to this day, I don't know why, because I've cut myself with those knives trying less effort than I was to try to cut my wrist, but I'm sitting on the bedroom floor crying. I wrote a letter, the whole thing. And you would think that that would be like ground or you know, the, 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 the rock bottom for me trying to kill myself. And it wasn't, I continued in my addiction for the, you know, the next umpteen years. I moved back to Arizona in 2013, where I'm from. And there's an old saying in the addictions that no matter where you go, there you are. And so I'm running from my addiction from Wichita to Arizona, but my town has a casino just 15 minutes from where I sit right now. And certainly I just brought my addiction here with me. And I just, I, I went, my late twenties were really, really bad. I, I made decent money, but I spent at least $10,000 more than what I made each year, just based upon having someone in my life who didn't want me to go to jail, who, who was able to fund, fund my addiction. And I, I thank God for that person. But at the same time, I, I, I sometimes wish I didn't have that person. So I would have had these consequences. And my life has been filled with ease. School came easy to me. Sports came easy. Girls came easy. Addiction came easy. Bailouts came easy. Everything has always come easy for me in my life. I've never had any real consequences for my actions. And here I am in my late twenties gambling, literally every penny I make, I can't stay away from the casino or gambling. It's not even just the casino. We're talking spending three or $400 at the, at the gas station on scratchers, online gambling, just, it, it didn't matter what it was. I couldn't help myself. I was compulsive about it. It didn't matter if how much I told myself, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do this. Ultimately I would always fail. And the, the, the point of that is I was always trying to do it on my own. I didn't have Jesus yet in my life. Back in 2017, I decided to run from my addiction. Again, I ran to California to uh, get into business with my father. He's a successful businessman. I got into business with my father and it didn't take long before I was stealing money from my father's uh, business account. It was actually the best thing for me, though, because when I was in California for the short time I was there, I, I, I got into GA. I got into a Gamblers Anonymous program. Let me just stop right here and say that if you're struggling with addiction or if you know someone who is an anonymous program, I, I, I can't say enough about the power it is, how much power there is in these anonymous programs, whether it's NAAAGA, whatever A it is. 
being around people who understand you and speak your language and know, not just know what you're going through, but have gone through it themselves. And in GA, they talk about a higher power. They don't associate themselves with any religion, but they talk about a higher power. And me being a churchgoer in my youth and growing up, I knew that my higher power was God, but I still didn't rely on him. I wasn't reaching out to him. I wasn't seeking him. I went 38 days without gambling during that time. And then ultimately I slipped up, moved back to Arizona and I got my job back as a morning show radio host. I have a morning show here in town on a country music station. And 2018 in February, 2018, 17, 18 or 17, my grandmother died, who was the most important woman in my life. Um, you know, I, like I said in the beginning, she raised me as a kid. And if it weren't for her, I, I honestly don't know where I, where I would have gone and where I'd be. I don't know that I'd be sitting here today. Certainly if it weren't for her. But she, so she passed away unexpectedly from a heart attack. And that hit me really hard. It was actually three days after I moved back from California, my grandma died. And I, I decided that, um, that the only thing I knew to comfort me was the casino. And I got right back in. And so for that year, I gambled Every day, every day of my life, same old, same old, same story. But come 2019, last year, I finally decided, you know what? I'm sick of this crap. I'm 31 years old. I'm, I'm 30 years old. I'm, 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 I'm just 31. Doesn't matter how old I am. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. I'm a, I'm a man. I, I'm, I'm an adult who has acted like a child. I was done. So I started blogging. I started vlogging. Me having a radio show up here, I certainly have a little bit of an influence in the community. And so I started vlogging my, my days on my Facebook. And I went 208 days last year without gambling, 208 days. But the one thing I didn't do during those 208 days is I didn't seek Jesus. I didn't seek God. I was just not gambling. I was still having suicidal thoughts. I was still angry. I was still depressed. I was still remorseful. I just wasn't gambling. And I thought that I could do this on my own, right? I wasn't ready yet to hand my life over to a higher power, truly because I didn't want to lose my life. I didn't want to give up my life. I enjoyed what I knew. And what I knew was depression and gambling and all that. And I knew that if I gave my life over to Jesus, I would have to leave all these things. And it sounds so stupid, not wanting to leave depression and gambling and all that. But when you're stuck in this for so long, it becomes your safe place. It becomes where you're comfortable and it becomes this this, this place that you can revert back to, even though you know it's bad for you, it's comfortable. And so during those 208 days last year, um, I, didn't, I didn't do anything other than just not gamble. And when you try to do anything on your own, regardless of what it is, especially quitting an addiction, when you try to do it on your own without the power of God by your side, you're always going to fail. You can do nothing without Christ, but through Christ, I can do all things who strengthen me, right? I probably messed that up, but you know what I'm saying. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what happened was I went 208 days last year and then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, one day, I just, the, the, everything worked out right where I was like, you know what? I'm going to go gamble again. I've gone 208 days. Like I reward myself and I went and gambled. And it was two weeks later that I was sitting on my floor with a shotgun in my mouth. And it's just that that's a testimony to how quickly Satan works, how fast Satan can, you know, Satan can work in your life, but also how fast addiction, like how bad addiction is. You know, a lot of drug addicts, they overdose when they relapse, not because they want to, but because they think they can go right back to doing the same amount of drugs that they were before they stopped. And that's what happened with my addiction is I went from gambling 60 bucks that first time to gambling a $1,300 the night that I tried to, the night that I put my shotgun in my mouth. And so that's over two weeks. I went 208 days and then a time of two weeks, 
I was ready to, you know, take my own life. But it's only by the grace of God that I'm still here. And I just, I, I, I praise God. And I want to read something out of Hebrews right now. Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those. Check this out. He rewards those who seek him. And that's what I started doing. My uncle Daniel was a part of a company called Faith to Influence. And he, my, my uncle has been such an important part of my life. He was my, my, my brother growing up. He was my mentor in our teens and certainly in our college years. But he's always been that guy that I looked up to as someone who I wanted to be like, not just in life and business, but with his faith. And Daniel was the kind of person, my uncle was the kind of person who had gone to Tony Robbins and he was always working on himself, personal development. And he said, man, you've got to come to this retreat, Faith to Influence. It's the best thing I've ever done in my life. So much so he enjoyed it so much that he started working for the company. And so I agreed to go and that was in November. And, but from the time I put my shotgun in my mouth to this time, I was still gambling. I was still dabbling, scratchers here and there, living in remorse and depression. But I knew that I just... I couldn't go on doing this and I was willing to try anything. And so I go to this retreat and I didn't find Jesus at this retreat, but I started to seek him out. The one thing I found out at this retreat is that I'm missing something in my life. I was surrounded by men who the Holy Spirit was working at this retreat, but I was just surrounded by men from all different walks of life who were speaking life into me. I got called a leader by everybody at this retreat. And I have never, I spent 13 years in addiction. What do you mean I'm a leader? What are you talking about? But there's people who didn't, didn't know me who are seeing things in my life that I couldn't see for myself. And I left this retreat and I thank God for Justin Janowski for answering God's call and starting Faith to Influence and the, what they're doing there. It is God's work that they are doing at Faith to Influence. And I left that, I left that retreat not knowing what I needed, but knowing I needed something. And I was on the drive home. I had a nine hour drive home and I'm just talking out loud, literally saying, God, if you're there, I really don't know how to do this, but what am I supposed to do with my life? God, you know, I'm like feeling all weird talking to myself in my truck. And I finally, one time I remember saying, God, is it you? Is it you that I need? God, is it you? And I didn't hear God say yes, but I just felt this like, yeah. Yes, finally, it's me that you need. Come find me, seek me out. And so when I got home, that's what I did. I called up my pastor who was our the pastor I used to go to in school, uh, in high school. I called him up and I said, hey, I need to meet with you at, like regularly. We started meeting on Tuesdays. I stopped listening to just, I'm a country music fan, but I stopped listening to, to anything but worship music. I surrounded myself I was seeking God. I was praying. I was trying to read my Bible. And I was like, God, tell me, tell me what to do. I didn't believe yet. It was all up here. It was all up here. I'm not saved in your head. You're saved in your heart. And I'm asking God, God, I, I know you're there. I can, I can, I can, I can feel you in my head, but I want to feel you in my heart. God, how do I feel you in my heart? And I was seeking him out. I was reading books. I was reading the Bible. I was having conversations. I was watching pastors online. I was doing whatever I could to to let it sink into my heart. I was seeking God with everything that I had. And then one Sunday night, I wish I remember the date. I remember the day I got baptized. I was baptized on February, on February 2nd, but a few weeks prior to that one Sunday night, I'm sitting here. I got my Bible open. I'm reading the Bible. I'm listening to worship music and I'm praying. And all of a sudden I just had this like rush, my chills. And it was like, the, it was, I can only describe it as the moment of salvation. At that moment, I believed that Jesus died for my sins. 
I believed that my soul was safe in heaven. I believed that I was washed clean. I believed I was a new creature in Christ. I believed that I was sanctified and justified and all this stuff I've been reading about. I believed that I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I had chills. I'm getting chills right now. I stood up. I literally stood up in my house and I'm walking around my house going, yeah, as for me and my house, God, we will serve the Lord like speaking to nobody. I'm rebuking the devil. Literally, I'm rebuking. Get out of here, Satan. For too long, I've been saying, I'm just going nuts, right? And it's a true story and it's crazy to think about, but like I had this rush of God. And from that day on, I haven't had one suicidal thought. I haven't had one depression thought. I haven't had one. I reflect, I have reflections. I reflect and I do feel remorse of like what I've done, but I don't, I don't dwell on those thoughts. I give them to God and I thank God for his mercy and forgiveness and his, his grace. I, I, I thank, I thank God and Jesus Christ for, for taking the punishment that I deserved of all the things I've done in my life. And I got a lot of dark sins and a lot of deep things that I've done that I deserve the punishment that Jesus Christ took on the cross. And I just thank him. And I, I and, and from that moment, my family can attest. I was like calling everybody just so fired up and like, Oh, you, you don't understand. Like I get it. I get it. now. I get it. And it's just so amazing what God can do what God can do in, in, in your life. And so from that moment, I started, I started to say, okay, what do I do next? I, I realized being saved is step one of a Christian life. It isn't the goal. That's not the major goal of a Christian life. Getting saved is step one. You get saved and then it's okay. How do we live this Christian life? And so I started asking, how do I do this? How do I do this, God? Show me in the Bible. I asked, asked talking to pastors and I understood the next, okay, you get saved, you get baptized, you make disciples. So I knew I needed to get baptized. So on a cold, or actually it was a decently warm February 2nd, it's cold up here in the mountains. I got baptized in a lake outdoor. I think I still have shock from the cold. But I came out of that water feeling like I was in shock. I actually asked the pastor, is that shock or the Holy Spirit? He goes, no, it's probably both. But I felt this, this fire in me that's like, Go tell people about what I've done for you. Go tell people what's here. Go tell people about what's in this book. And for the past few months on my radio show, that's what I've started to do. I've, I've been praying on my show and I get complaints. I've been talking about God on my show and I get complaints. My boss has actually said that I could do a, country, a, a Christian music show on my country station. I've, um, I've, I've been posting about Jesus and things that, you know, people are looking at me going like, you know, like, who is this guy in the Bible? In the Bible, when Jesus went back to his hometown, people rejected him. Like, isn't this that carpenter's son? Isn't this like, who is this guy? And I don't feel like I'm not trying to compare myself to Jesus, but I understand because I got people in my life that are going, who, like, who is this guy? Like, I know this guy. I know things about you. I know who you are. And I get it. I get that. It's weird to hear me no, four months ago. I was not this man five months ago, whatever. I get how weird it is, but I got to tell you, there is, I have never felt more conviction, more passion, more uh, excitement, more peace, more clarity, more knowledge than I do sitting here in front of you today. And it's only by the grace of God. And I want to, I want to, I want to end my time. I don't know how, I don't know, Daniel, give me a thumbs up if I'm okay on time. I, I haven't been keeping track. I, I don't know where I'm at. I want to, I want to, I want to talk a little bit about first Corinthians six, nine, and this, this passage six, nine through 11, this passage really 
it, it is it is not only a powerful passage, but it speaks to my heart. First Corinthians six nine says, "Or do you not know the true? Excuse me. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Listen to this. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor the uh, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor men who practice." homosexuality nor thieves nor the greedy i don't or the drunkards nor revilers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of god that's a pretty big list and i feel like all of us can find ourselves in something in there and most of us can find ourselves in more than one in there and i read that and that's shocking and it's sad if you, if you're this way you're going to hell is what this is saying but check this out verse 11 whoo it's a good one and so paul paul's writing this to the church of corinth He's writing this to church people. Okay. So these are church people. Paul's writing this to, and he says, after telling all those people, you're going to hell. Verse 11. And such were some of you. And the word were speaks volumes to my heart because the word were means that you're not that way anymore. And that's where I feel like I am right now is that I was these things, but by the blood of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he took for me on the cross, I am a new man. I'm a new creature in Christ washed let's go on but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the lord jesus christ and by the spirit of our god and if that verse right there doesn't speak volumes to my heart and to anybody's heart i want to say this there is hope we are all some of these things sexually immoral idolaters adulterers thieves greedy drunkards revilers swindlers men who practice homosexuality we are all some of those things and it's scary and it's sad. And that is a life consumed by sin and Satan filled. But there's hope in the blood of Jesus Christ. We can be washed and justified and sanctified in the Lord Jesus Christ by the spirit of our God. I sit here today knowing that I'm not, I'm not ignorant enough to say that I'm never going to step into sin again. I sin every day. We all sin. I fall short of God's glory every single day as you do, as you do the same. But these things, this person, I am not that person anymore. I'm not ignorant enough to say that I will never, that I'm not tempted, that sin isn't just waiting there at the back door for me to open it. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I know sin is right there. I can be right back to where I was if I don't give God the glory every moment of my life. And if I don't stay in his word and be, fill my soul. There's a passage in the Bible that talks about a woman who cleans her house a demon, a demon is in her and he leaves and then she cleans her house, but doesn't fill it with anything. And the demon comes back and says, oh, this house is empty. Let me get six more of my buddies. Now seven demons. It's worse than before. And if I think about my life, I cleaned my house when I was just when I was when, when I was saved at the moment of salvation. I'm a new creature. My house is clean. But if I don't fill my house, my temple with the word of God, I'm just allowing more demons to come into my life. And that's what I'm doing. And that's what I do. I, addiction to conviction, a journey to Jesus. And my journey has a lot of ins and outs and a lot of dark secrets and a lot of things I didn't say. But sitting here today, I can tell you, I am not a liar anymore. I am not a drunk. I am not a gambler. I am not an addict. I am not a swindler. I am not sexually immoral. I am not an idolater. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's the best feeling of my life, you know? It's the, it's the greatest thing I've ever done. It's literally the greatest thing I've ever done in my life, believing in Jesus Christ. And I just, I, I thank him every day for what he's doing in my life and what he's done. And I just, I, I thank him for his mercy 
and his forgiveness and his grace. And I thank that I thank him that he knows my name, that he has a he has a he has a plan for my life. And that it's only by his grace that I'm even sitting here today. And I don't I don't know what happens with this, but I just hope if if, if you don't take anything else from this message, know that there is hope. There is hope for whatever you're going through. You do not have to be these things that are in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. You don't have to be those things. Put your trust and your faith into Jesus Christ. And continue to fill your heart and your soul with the Holy Spirit. And you will experience true freedom. I'm going to end on this and say that I used to think that following Jesus was slavery. I used to think that like, man, there's so many rules and there's like, things you can't do. And like, that sounds boring. Like, I don't want to do like, and I used to think like, man, look how much freedom I have. You know, like I can do whatever I want. The Bible says you are a slave to sin and you don't understand how much of a slave you are until you find salvation in Jesus Christ. And now I realize true freedom is walking in the blood of Jesus Christ is walking side by side with the Holy spirit being filled with the Holy spirit. True freedom is living your life for what the Bible says to do. Slavery is your own freedom. Slavery is sin, not freedom. Slavery is sin. And I just, uh, I just pray that each and every one of us can, if, if we don't know Jesus, that we, that we seek him out, we seek him out and we let him work on our heart the way he's worked on mine. I thank you so much, Daniel, for this time. And I'll turn it back over to you. F2I Nation, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We've got a special gift for you that you can find at f2igift.com. It's an audio recording of some of our most treasured content called The Rules of Engagement. It's eight rules that are going to help you show up more powerfully in your business, show up more powerfully for your family, show up more powerfully in your relationship with God, in your community, and really in everything that you do. We found that these eight rules really help people move the needle forward and become more of who God created them to be. We hope that you'll enjoy them. Again, there are gifts to you for free at f2igift.com. We'll see you next week.